sir. Gentlemen, all right. Not bad, not bad. And lady. <laughs> <laughs> and the Kylie. Yeah, she jumps back in. I was bent, bent over there. <laughs> you couldn't see me. <laughs> like, oh shit, it's coming up. I'm here. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Right, uh, Theo, before we get started, man, uh, well, first of all, thanks so much uh, for popping on. Uh, but is there anything that you want to leave off? Off the talk list. Is there anything you don't want to talk about? No, you're good to this go on. Pod, this is a podcast. Exactly. It? Yeah, yeah, it is indeed. We get to talk about whatever we want, don't we? Whatever you yeah, want. That's why we, love we leave it, it up. To, we leave it up to the guest. And it's yeah. not PG-13, so you can <laughs> say whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> we're, not, we're not beeping anything out of this one. We are now oh. in the locker room. Then we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Love it. Excellent. All right, that's that's good to hear. All right, guys, uh, let's get the ball rolling, I guess. Uh, without further ado, uh, welcome to the Deke Snipe Selly podcast uh, with your hosts, Kylie Murren, Chad Newman, and myself, Ryan Gates. We got a special guest this week, uh, one of our, one of my favorite players as a child when I was growing up. Uh, mm-hmm. He's uh, he's won Canada Cup gold, World Junior Hockey Championship gold medal, Olympic gold medal, 16 years in the NHL, seven-time All-Star, 1,000-plus NHL points, 1,000. NHL games, Stanley Cup champion, Mr. Theo Fleury, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the show. Thanks. How are you guys doing today? Ah, great, man. Great. You guys must be really happy. I see all the Leafs memorabilia in the background. Yeah, Yeah, if you couldn't guess, we're Leaf fans. (laughs) About time. You guys ordering the rings yet? No, I've already on. They're already on order. Mine is. Theo, I've been a fan for a long time at Leafs, and I've learned not to uh, not to get ahead of myself. Yeah, no. <laughs> Kurt, don't go before the horse. Never about that. Well, well just I, always, so- I, I always said that uh, you know when Matthews and Marner and Nylander and those guys learn how to play without the puck, then uh, then they'll have a chance yeah. to win. And it looks like you know Finally. they're buying buying into that now, and uh, you know they're one of the elite teams in the league, and so I would say they have a great chance. Yeah, yeah. see how they do when they get out of the Canadian division. Yeah, That's, exactly. I'm anxious for that. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, you've been quoted as saying it many times. I mean, it's uh, it's the hardest trophy to win in the NHL. I mean, you you, you yourself could have probably won an, an additional. Yeah. yeah, in the sport, sorry. In, mm-hmm. sports. in the sport world, <laughs> I, I mean, say. you yourself could have probably won another three or four cups on the teams that you play. <laughs> and it's just it's just luck of the draw sometimes. A bounce this way, a bounce that way. Yeah. It derails could the season. Be well, the hardest years. the hardest round to get out of is the first round you know yeah um, we know you know after, oh, we know that <laughs> after we won the cup in in 89 you know like we still had great teams and we mm-hmm. you know we finished i think in the top five in the league in four or five of those years after we won the cup and mm-hmm. uh what did we lose we lost think four or five consecutive first round series and four of them went to double overtime or something stupid you know so um, yeah and that's that's the problem you know if you're a favorite and uh, you know you sort of let these uh, lower teams gain momentum it's hard to get that momentum back in a playoff series and so yeah. you know we uh, we screwed up many times unfortunately so and then I didn't you know i the closest I got to winning another one was when I went to Colorado and we lost to Dallas in game seven and uh, Dallas went on to beat Buffalo. So yeah, I remember uh, that one. Yeah. we could have won that game. I would have had two Stanley cups, but yeah. one's good. So 
Yeah. One is oh, good. Absolutely. Yeah, well, you'll take that. Yeah. Hey. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so many, so many greats have played a full career and just, just sniffed around it well outside of it and just yeah. never got there. So never got uh, it. No. We're trying to get a couple from um, the Leafs now. You know. Well, yeah. Yeah. That's what I think. The world are hungry for it. No doubt about yeah. it. I mean, these guys are taking league minimums and yeah. after these huge careers. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, so it happened after Merlo. I mean, Merlo got the payday, and then after that, they couldn't do it no more. And then yeah. these guys are coming in for nothing, and it's great. Well, you know, in our era, guys played till they're forty. You know, yeah. that's never going to happen again. Never going to happen again because no. of the salary cap. You know, because the game is like the game is so young. You know, yeah. and uh, you could get a, you know, a a rookie for what 750 grand a year and then you know as opposed to some old you know crusty old veteran that uh, still trying to you know yeah. act, the act like a kid for a little while longer you know so yeah it's it's really i find it really interesting like back in your day when you went when you went to play with the rangers i mean cap wasn't a, wasn't a thing it wasn't an issue uh the team had money so they could load up uh nowadays it seems like this year in particular, it's been a great example of how it's it's kind of in a roundabout like cap circumvention in that there's a cap in place, but now the talented teams, which i.e. were the money teams back in the day, have got the ability to say, we have this core group of excellent players. You mm-hmm. come with us and make no money virtually, yeah. uh, and you've got a chance to win. So mm-hmm. while while it's while it's not official circumvention, because they are getting paid their minimum salary, mm-hmm. it's a way to get around the purpose of the salary cap to begin with. They didn't want yeah. people yeah. loading up teams. You know? Yeah. 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 It's, uh, well, it's hard. It's hard to build a, you know, a team. No dynasties anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you last, you know, you have your window. If you don't win, then you got to blow it up and start over again, you know? So, three cups in five years. You know, you look at Calgary, they're, they're right at the cap, Mm. you know, ceiling, and, uh, they're not a very good team. You know, they're in a rough uh, spot. It's, uh, yeah. And we What's have no that? idea what, you know, uh, you know, we're going to trade Monaghan. We're going to trade Goudreau, you know, like it's, uh, they have big salaries and, you know, mm-hmm. not a lot of success. So, you know, those guys are hard to, to move. Hard to move. Yep. Yes. Yep. So what yeah. team who, wants that? Who play, yeah. who on that team really stands out? You know, as a guy that you've got to keep backbone of the backbone of the team, build no. a team. Yeah. 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 I, was, I figured he's yeah. calling you for tips, is he? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he gotta be. He's got, he's, he's, got, he's got me on speed dial, so. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt that one bit. I told him. I told the other day, just play between the whistles. Don't worry about the <laughs> whistles. You know. Yeah. I, I found when I was playing that, um, when I was uh, fucking around after the whistle, it took away from you know what what I what I was really good at and what I was best at. And I was scoring goals and making plays and doing all those things. And so um, I think when you get frustrated, um, you try to do too much mm-hmm. because you care too much. And, uh, you know, that takes away a lot of your focus from, you know, what you actually do best. And, you know, Matthew's obviously a very talented guy. And uh, 100%. you won't yeah. see him out fighting. Yeah, he's monotone. Right? They hear him yeah. talking. He's monotone yeah. all the time. Yeah, him and yeah, it's great. It's yeah. great. You know, I played. I played with Claude Lemieux too in uh, Colorado, and uh, you know, he was uh, 
he was useless in the regular season. And as soon as April came around, uh, you know, just turned on a switch and yeah. he was a different guy. You need yeah. those guys too. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm curious, Theo. I mean, you, uh, when you look at the teams that you're played on and the players that you got to play with, I mean, even outside of the Salt Lake City and the World Juniors and the, some of the greats you got to play with and rub shoulders with there, I mean, the, the, the likes of the, the Dougie Gilmore's, Lanny McDonald's, Joel Newland Dykes, the Lindros, the Gary Ross, yeah, I mean, Sackett, yeah. Wah, yeah. Forsberg. I mean, I, I, this is going to be a tough question, I would have think, to answer, but who who really stands out to you when you look back at the guys who you played with that was like just heads and tails above everybody else as a teammate? Oh, man. Well, Gretzky's right up there with, well, that's, that's yeah. a, you know. Yeah. Uh, default, yeah. Uh, Lemieux, Iserman, Sakic. Sakic, uh, for sure. Um, All the ones but but not only were they great hockey players, but they were great human beings. And I think mm-hmm. that's what made them so great was mm-hmm. how, you know, they treated every single person uh they gave them time. They, there was no ego. There was lots of humility. Um, and uh, they just made everybody feel part of it, you know, from the trainers to, you know, the management, everybody, you know, everybody got respect and everybody, you know, so, and it was fun to hang around guys like that, you know, because I learned uh, a lot about leadership and, and uh, you know, what it takes and, and, you know, now that I don't play hockey anymore, but I, I, I certainly, uh, you know, I'm involved in a lot of charity stuff and, uh, you know, I work for some companies and stuff. And so, you know, I've been able to take their example and sort of transfer that into post career. And, and, uh, you know, that it's, it's so cool to be able to, uh, you know, play with these guys but I was also a big fan too you know I was a fanboy too you know I remember walking into the 2002 Olympic dressing room and going what the fuck am I doing here yeah and uh you know I looked first of all for my jersey and uh you know sitting to the left of me was mario and sitting to the right of me was joe sackick and and then you know you look around the dressing room and it's just it's just unbelievable like it's just it's like walking into a hockey hall of fame dressing literally in in real time you know (laughs) in real time and so um yeah all those experiences were incredible and uh um you know when i was a kid growing up i just wanted to be I wanted to play in the NHL and just kind of be a solid NHL player. And uh, what happened was I just kept getting better every year, you know, working on my game. And, and uh, you know, that's what I always tell kids all the time is, you know, I'll get emails or, you know, I'll be at a rink or something and some crazy parent will come up to me and say, you know, my kid's not getting enough ice time. And I go, well, here's the deal. <laughs> if, if you if you want more ice time then you have to become an all-round player right and so I quickly realized that early on in my career that you know if I was just a goal scorer you know I wasn't going to play 25 minutes a night right and I had to learn how to take face-offs and kill penalties and play in the last minute and 
play in the last minute of the game, holding a lead or whatever all that was. And, and, and as I got better at all aspects of the game, uh, there was a certain trust that was built between me and the coach. And so, you know, when he's, when there's, you know, two minutes left in the game and he's looking down the bench, you know, you want him to have your number and your name top of mind, you know? Yeah. And so, and so if you want more ice time, you know, cause there's, there's more to the game than just, you know, scoring goals and, and exactly. playing on the power play, you know, there's a, there's a bigger aspect to the game. And, and so the more you get better at all these, these skills and, and, you know, team play, you know, the more the coach is going to put you on the ice. Excellent. And one Great. of my favorite players all time who is playing currently would be Patrice Bergeron there in Boston. Yeah. I mean, yeah. just an exemplary human. Uh, I mean, I hate the Bruins. I hate them with every ounce of my being. Yeah. But I Don't love Patrice Bergeron. I just, oh, yeah. I mean, he yeah. yeah. penalties, plays on the power play. You know, the, well, they they don't make hockey players like that anymore. No, unfortunately, not you know? very many. And, and uh, different day. Uh, you know what? What do they used to say? Women dig the long ball. You know, and I think <laughs> I think you know the home run hitters. You know, and uh, you know the, the game is way more. And ultimately, who wins the Stanley Cup? The team that defends the best usually has yeah. the best goalie. Defense. defense wins every sport. You know, their 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 penalty killing is at the top of the league. Their power plays at the top of the league. You know, when we won the cup in '89. Uh, you know, we finished. I think we had the number one power play, and I think we had the be second best penalty killing in the league, and uh, second team. best second best goals against. You know, and so. Uh, you know, power plays and penalty killing is all about momentum. You know, that's what yeah. it's about. <laughs> you don't necessarily need to score on every power play, but don't lose momentum. You know, don't mm -hmm. go out there and, mm -hmm. you know, fuck the dog and, you know, dipsy doodle around and whatever and give the other team momentum. You know, yeah. those, those are, those are, and, and, you know, Mark Messier, uh, when I was playing in New York, came to me one day and he said, you know, do you, do you realize you don't need to score every shift? And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> okay. Really? <laughs> well, and, he, and, 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 and then he broke it down and he said, you know, how many, you know, grade A scoring chances are you going to create in a game? And I said, I don't know, maybe four or five. And he goes, there you go. Prepare yourself for those four or five mm -hmm. chances that you're going to get. Because, uh, you know, uh, if you score all five, that's, you know, above average. Yeah. But if you get, if you get one, I would say our chances of winning are, are pretty good, right? Because we're going to defend and, and play that way. So, you know, it was great to hang around those guys to get a different perspective because, you know, towards the end of my uh, time in Calgary, you know, we weren't a very talented team. We were really young and we were rebuilding and all that. And so, um, you know, the only chance we had to win <laughs> was uh, keep the game close. And I've, <laughs> you know, I'll whip one in, and whip one in at the end, and hopefully, you know, we win one nothing or two one or three two. Yeah. And so, you know, um, the, as you get as you get older, you sort of, you know, become smarter and and you know become more a little bit more analytical and and uh, you know you sort of break down the game into small segments and and uh, you know those those guys that I mentioned Gretzky, Lemieux, Sackick, all those guys they 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 knew that and. and they realized that they didn't have to, 
you know, score every shift that, that there was, you know, different parts of the game that needed different parts of their skills. And, and so, you know, and, and when the young guys, you know, learn that process, which I think the Leafs are, are doing that right now, um, mm-hmm. you know, that's when you become a really, really solid team and, and uh, a team that's really hard to play against. Yeah. I'm curious now, Theo, when you were growing up, obviously you're a fan long before you're an, uh, an elite level player. What player, when you were a kid, did you, you know, look up to as, a, as an icon? You know, like that's the guy that I love, love to watch. Any small guy that was having success in the league. So okay. one or two of those guys. Kind of <laughs> yeah. You know, guys like Mats, Mats Naslund, who played yeah. in Montreal, uh, mm-hmm. Dan, Danny Savard. Yeah. Uh, Dennis Marouk was another guy that nobody really knows. He scored 60 twice in the NHL. Yeah, you don't hear you know? that name often. You know, and uh, so, yeah, anybody that was having success uh, as a small guy. But my favorite team was the New York Islanders. When they were winning all those Stanley Cups, yeah. yeah. And then <clears throat> and then after I retired, um, there was a Legends Tour that went right across Canada every year. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, and so Brian Trache and Bobby Bourne and Billy Smith and all these guys were Billy part Smith. of this tour. And I, I got to... I got to hang out with these guys every day. It was uh, it was awesome. They're like uh, sitting sitting in the dressing room with my idols, the guys that I grew up, you know, loving and watching play. You know, Mike Bossy lo- loved him. You know, such yeah. an unbelievable goal scorer. Goal scorer. You know, and mm. uh, yeah, they were they were fun to watch, and I, I really enjoyed that uh, that uh, that team for sure. I would imagine the locker room banter alone wouldn't work the price of admission. Just oh, the yeah. stories yeah. those guys are telling about each hilarious. other. It was, it was hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Imagine, yeah, um, you know, with, that's uh, that's uh, you know, that brings me brings something to my head that you know, people always ask me, you know, like I'll be at an event or something, they'll say, Well, where's your where's your Stanley Cup ring? Where's your Olympic ring? I go, I have no fucking clue where they are, really, because that's not what it's about. No, you know, yeah. the last thing in the process of winning is they put a gold medal around your neck and they put a ring on your finger, you know, what you, you know, the reason why, you know, we're talking today is because you want to hear stories. You want to hear those yeah. inside stories that nobody's yeah. ever heard. And and every kid dreams of, mm-hmm. you know, having that experience. And so, um, you know, I, early on in my career, obviously, um, you know, I got addicted to the process of winning. You know, and that's what it's all about is, you know, starting the season and then building towards, you know, winning a Stanley Cup. And, and uh, you know, those are the stories and those are the memories, you know, that really sort of stand out in my head. It's not, it's not, you know, the ring ceremony or the banner raising or whatever, you know, that's, that's for the fans, you know. Yeah, yeah. The, you can't put a price on that. Stuff. Yeah, the experience. Yeah. No. yeah, the experience is what the it's memories, all about. Yeah. the stories. Yeah. yeah, you can you can sell a ring or whatever, but you'd never be able to sell that. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. You. Yeah, unless you put it in a book. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. Yeah. So I got to ask you about the book, Theo. I mean, I, I bought it in two thousand nine in a, in a paperback copy. I, I used to work on ships at the time, actually sailing on ships around the world. So okay. Uh, I got in. I got into a Canadian port back home again in Newfoundland. We're all three of us are from Newfoundland, by the way. I noticed that. Yeah, uh, the yeah. accent. <laughs> so yes, bye. Yes, bye. Yes, bye. <laughs> you still hear that in Calgary, I'm sure. 
Oh yeah. Yeah, a lot yeah, of noobs up there. Yeah. But anyway, I pick up this paperback copy of uh, of Playing with Fire and I was like, okay, I mean, I'm not a, I wasn't a huge reader at the time, but one of my shipmates had had purchased it before he joined the ship and he's like, you got to read this. He says, you're going to love it. I was like, I plan to pick it up anyway, but okay, I'll grab it first chance. So I pick up the paperback and I'm traveling around the world with this book in my backpack and I'm reading it every chance I get it. and the thing I can't lay it down. It's just Mm-hmm. It's just an incredible because I mean at that point as well there was there had been no talk of of course it was your coming out story when it comes to the the abuse mm-hmm. and addiction yeah. and the things yeah. and so that alone was just a shockwave through the hockey world in itself mm-hmm. um, so it's, it was an impossible thing to put down um, I just like to know when it came to writing the book uh, where was your where was your your headspace at that at that point. You know, your your. I mean, mental health is not even a, a really on the radar in two thousand nine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Addiction maybe a little bit, but it wasn't. It's not where we are today. Right. It was still hush hush. You know, yeah. you don't talk about those things, right? Yeah, and and how it all came about was like a chance meeting at a you know an alumni event. Mm-hmm. You know, oh. I, I I newly, uh, I just moved back to Calgary. I was newly sober. Um, and, uh, you know, I ran into an old media guy that used to cover the team when I played there. I hadn't seen him in, I don't even know, eight, eight, nine years. And, uh, you know, we're having this conversation and I'm doing nothing. Like I'm newly retired, you know, all I have is a grade 12 diploma from Vanier Collegiate in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. I don't have a plan B, C, D, E, E, F, G. I'm, I'm you know, I'm just kind of lost trying to figure out, you know, what the rest of my life is going to look like. And so I casually mentioned to him at the end of the conversation, I said, do you know anybody be interested in writing a book with me? And he says, funny you should ask. He says, my wife is a writer. And I was like, wow. Okay. So three days after that conversation, uh, I met with Kirsty Day McClelland. And then three days after that first conversation with her, we started writing Playing With Fire. And when I sat down to write the book, you know, I was only going to talk about my hockey career. Which is and, enough for a book in itself. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. But early on in the process of writing this book, you know, this lady made me feel safe and I trusted her. And then all of a sudden it just started flowing. It just started coming out of me, all this trauma and, you know, all this stuff. And, uh, you know, three and a half years later, we finished the book. And, uh, you know, I tell the whole entire story. Mm. So four days before I'm going to Toronto to launch this book, like I'm shitting in my pants. Like I'm scared. I can't imagine. And, you know, I also knew that I was going to go do a whole bunch of media surrounding the book. And I knew that the media is, you know, the only thing the media would be interested in would be to re-victimize me at every opportunity. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, because I'm a very smart and bright guy, I spent four days on my computer researching every single thing I could find on the subject of child sexual abuse. Because mm-hmm. I wanted to get a story of hope and healing and recovery, you know, out to the masses. Well, um, so I, I come to Toronto. I do like 300 interviews in the first four days that I'm there. You know, TSN, Sportsnet, I'm sitting on the big red couch with... Strombolopolis and every morning radio show, magazine, newspaper, you know, everybody's wanting to interview me. And just like I predicted, you know, the only thing they were interested in was the 
you know, victim blaming and, uh, you know, the gory details of my sexual abuse. But because I'd been, you know, in the media for 30 years being interviewed all the time, I knew that I never had, you know, I didn't have to answer the reporter's questions directly. Right. And so Mm -hmm. I had my own agenda in all these interviews. And so I had stats to back it up. I had, you know, I, I belonged to, uh, a men's sexual recovery group in California. So, you know, I, I, I was able to, you know, accomplish what I wanted to accomplish. And that was to get this message out there of, you know, hope, because I didn't want to become the poster boy for sexual no. abuse, you know? No, and, right. uh, and so then the next thing on the docket was the first, uh, was the first book signing. And, you know, my expectations for the book were really low. I thought I'd show up, sign 10 books, go to the next town, sign 10 books, so on and so yeah. forth. So the first book signing was at the biggest Indigo chapter store in all of Canada, downtown Toronto on Young Street. I walk through the front doors and there's 400 people standing Whoa. in line with my book. And I'm wow. like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> I didn't expect this. And so I sit down at the table and I start signing books and out of the corner of my eye, I spot this guy in line and he's got my book clutched against his chest. His face is buried in the floor and he's walking really slow. And I'm like, Hmm, wonder what's up with this dude. So I follow him all the way in the line. He gets to the front line, puts the book on the table, looks me in the eye and he says, me too. Mm. Me too. Oh my God. And mm. you know, that's when it, it all made sense. Right. Yeah all the pain, all the suffering, all the mental health challenges, like all of that stuff, just, you know, that guy showed up at that book signing to deliver a spiritual message of two simple words. And, and, uh, that guy changed my life forever because yeah. now I have purpose and now I have, um, you also have this platform as yeah. well, right? Yeah. yeah. And then this what happens ha- to so yeah. many people who don't have, yeah. the reach and yeah. the you know that you have and yeah. it's just Nobody's incredible that yeah no and, and it's then, just incredible you know and then after that like i got run over completely run over by people mm-hmm. at every book signing or speak engagement or whatever it was like 5 10 15 20 people were coming up at every book signing saying hey man read your book you told my story me too hey i saw your documentary told my story, me too. Hey, I read an article in a magazine. You told my story, me too. And so, you know, here I am, uh, you know, in, in probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest epidemics on the planet, yeah. which is sexual abuse survivors are coming, yeah. you know, uh, wave after wave after wave. You know, I pick up my phone. I got 20, 30 messages of people, you know, who've been inspired by my story and that hasn't changed this is 12 and a half years later it hasn't changed and i would say um you know during this covid pandemic uh you know the real the real pandemic on the planet is opioid overdoses and opioid deaths and suicides like that's Mm -hmm. the real pandemic and uh, I would say in the last three weeks, I have not seen as many requests as I've seen from mom's dad, grandpa's aunts, uncles who are reaching out saying my kid is suicidal. I don't know what to do. And uh, it's, 
it's been uh, it's been definitely challenging. It's probably been the most challenging year I've had, um, not only with my own mental uh, health, but dealing with uh, you know the the after effects of of what COVID uh, has really yeah. caused here. So yeah, um, no yeah, one it's... no one talks about that part of the pandemic. No. no. All oh, the 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 abuse, excuse me, the those who are still suffering from abuse, who are essentially trapped in their homes with their abusers, yeah. and yeah. right, and there's and talking about the opioid crisis is here in Newfoundland, um, as opposed to I guess everywhere in Canada and the world, but here in Newfoundland especially, it's a really big problem, and uh, just having you touch on that actually just brings it to light at least yeah. for our listeners to know yeah. that it's, you know, you, you're not alone. Yeah. There's so many people out there who are going through the same things as you. Well, and, and, and what I discovered was that, um, you know, <laughs> and I did become the poster boy for sexual abuse, unfortunately, but what happened was um, I was like, I got to get away from this phrase somehow, right? I got to mm-hmm. change sexual abuse to something else and so uh, I started using the word trauma right I like trauma and 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 when I switched to trauma then I brought I brought the whole entire community into the conversation right because there's all different kinds of abuse there's sexual there's emotional there's physical there's spiritual you know abuse Mm -hmm. and so what happens is you know, we're traumatized as young people, which, which then leaves us in emotional pain and suffering. And you can't see it. Can't see emotional pain, right? And what is emotional pain and suffering? It's mental illness. That's what, that's what it is. And so how do we deal with this emotional pain? Well, we tend to gravitate towards the dark side of life and get involved in addictions, right? Yeah. Alcohol, drugs, food, sex, gambling, workaholism, you know, whatever, whatever it, it may be, yeah. whatever it is. And, you know, to be able to connect those three things, because um, they're not separate, right? All three of those things live in the same house. And part of the healing journey is working on, you know, your emotional well-being, your physical well-being and your spiritual well-being that's that's the path to healing that's the path to peace joy happiness and and serenity is is you know working on all three of these things and so yeah. you know for the last 12 and a half years uh i knew nothing about you know what i was uh was doing and when i wrote the book i had no idea what the hell i was getting myself into but I can tell you that it's been absolutely the most rewarding thing that I've done and way more important than my hockey career. And I always say, you know, I would trade all, you know, the hardware that I accumulated in the first half of my life, I would trade it tomorrow or today for the opportunity to save somebody's life, because that's the real reason why we're we're all here and that's the reason why we're put on this earth is 100%. to you know is to help people through the most difficult times in their life and so uh yeah like i said it's been it's been unbelievable and and uh i'm so blessed and grateful that uh that the good lord you know put me put me in this place yeah. and uh you know give gave me all those experiences you know early yeah. on in my life I was, know, because i, I, was I look at say. 
I look at those yeah. things as, as gifts now, you know, yeah. because well, without know. those, without those, um, you know, that adversity, you know, I'm not in this position, you know. Absolutely. I was going to say, reading your book and watching the documentary, it's like, you knew as a young child, you were going to the NHL, you were going to be an yeah. NHL hockey player. Wasn't an but, no, but I feel like listening to you and knowing so much more about you now, it's just like, I feel like you were destined to do exactly what you're doing right now. Yeah. And yeah. I know yeah, that's, and that's, yeah, the trauma and abuse obviously fucking sucked. I mean, nobody should have to ever go through that. And I'm really sorry, I guess, that you had mm-hmm. and anybody who has, but I feel like it's made you, I guess, who you are obviously today. And I feel like this is the flurry now. Yeah, for sure. Not the yeah. hockey player. Yeah. Well, I, I wonder, and maybe you can answer this question kind of forthright. Aside from from everything that happened uh, because of your addiction and everything else in the NHL, where would your career, do you think, have projected you hadn't the abuse happened and hadn't that led to the addiction? Where Where would you have been today, you know? Would have had a lovely career in Europe. <laughs> yeah. No, no NHL. No, no. That that anger piece. Yeah. Was such a huge part of of the reason why I had success. Yeah. In the NHL, because you know when you it look your at motivation it, and your drive. you know I'm five foot six, 150 pounds when I show up to yeah. play in the NHL. So the average the height NHL. the average height was six feet, 200 pounds. Yeah. And so. Uh, from pure physics perspective, I'm not supposed to have success according to science. I mean, even right? today, it's hard. Like yeah. you still yeah, have they, to have that extra. Yeah. You got you to bring more. And yeah, so, they still give the kids crap if you're too small, right? And so I had to create room on the ice because without room, my skill is no good to me, right? Yeah, that's right. And so that anger piece allowed me to intimidate a lot of the guys that I was playing against. Cause I, I quickly realized that 75% of the guys I was playing against were all bluffers. Right. Mm. Cause time, I yeah. was willing, <laughs> you know, I was willing to die in order to win. And if you weren't, guess what? I can take you anywhere on the ice and do whatever I wanted to. Right. Yeah. But then, you know, the other 25% who wanted to compete, that's when the game got fun. Because now I got to even dig deeper and I got to, you know, rely on every single piece of talent and, you know, all that stuff in order to, in order to compete at that, you know, at that highest level. And so um, the anger was, was because I was so unpredictable, you know, they didn't know whether I was going to cut their eye out or kiss them. Right. You know, and so, (laughs) you know, I, I needed them to think, you know, that way. And so, uh, it was a big reason why I had, you know, the success I had and, and especially, you know, uh, uh, yeah, there, there's been other small guys who've played similar to me, but there's only one Theo Fleury and, and, yeah, that right. and, and it was, oh, there's no one's debating that one. And it no. was, uh, you know, it was because of my childhood experience that, that made, made me just made me this angry, crazy, competitive, driven yeah. you know person so so yeah and so being the uh oh sorry go ahead and you know everybody's like 
oh, you'd be great in this this era right now. And I say, no, I'd be in the no. fucking penalty box all yeah. the time. You know, <laughs> you can't touch a man now yeah. and you're in the box and, or you're kicked out. And I absolutely <laughs> loved the era that I played in. Yeah, that was totally I love watching it. I think it was the greatest accumulation of superstars we've ever seen in the game. And yeah, you know, I always laugh when when Connor McDavid or a Connor McDavid and a Austin Matthews show up and everybody's freaking out. And I'm like, hey, there was 40 of those guys in the yeah. league when I was playing. Yeah. So yeah, so true. And it was a lot harder to play. Uh back then there was a red line. Two line pass, yeah. yeah. Two line how you survived i have no idea it was the calgary stampede every night (laughs) ropes and everybody rides you know clutching grabbing slashing oh my god it was uh it was fun it was so i saw an interview with the i saw an interview with the score that you had terry crisp uh named as your favorite coach ever I remember watching the Rock'em Sock'em videos as a kid, and I was terrified of that guy. Like, he only showed the clips of him screaming. I was like, this guy is a lunatic. And then oh, yeah. I saw, that was your favorite coach. And then I started reading about him. I was like, no, he actually seemed like a cool guy, like a funny yeah. guy. Yeah, I would say that, uh, you know, a lot of the veteran guys in our team maybe had a difficult time with him. But for me, uh, you know, I'm a pretty loyal guy. And uh, Crispy was very loyal to me at the beginning of my career. And... Uh, you know, I fucked up lots, you know, learning how to, uh, you know, cause you know, I, I had 472 points in junior, you know, I went to, I went to the minors. I was averaging two points a game in the minors mm-hmm. and I come to Calgary and I'm a fourth line centerman on the Stanley cup winning team. And my job was not to score goals. They didn't care if I fucking scored a goal or not. You know, check, check, check. my role was, was a spark plug, draw penalties, uh, change the, mom- change the Shoot momentum, change the momentum, yeah, change the momentum, <laughs> momentum of games. And, you know, if we did score a goal here and there, you know, that was a bonus. But what happened was the first game of the first series, Gary Suter broke his jaw. Mel Bridgman hit him with an elbow and broke his jaw. And, and so I played the point on the power play for the rest of the playoffs with Al McInnes. And so that's where I basically got most of my ice time was, you know, playing on the power play. And so for Crispy to put a rookie on the power play, on the point on the power play, you know, was pretty, uh, pretty big for me. And so, uh, you know, and he gave me a chance when no, uh, you know, and then this is, this is a funny story too. So, 421 guys were selected before me in the draft. Okay. 421 because the first year of eligibility, I wasn't drafted. And then the second year of eligibility, I didn't get picked until the eighth round, 166 overall. I remember reading that in your book. And so I, I always tell kids, I go, it's not the number that you get picked. It's where you finish. Right. And uh, right now I sit 61st all time in NHL scoring history. And so, and so, and, you know, and so that's ultimately, you know, yeah, you're, whatever you get picked, that's just a chance. That's an opportunity. What you do with the rest of that is Mm -hmm. up to you. And I just wanted a chance. I wanted to come to a training camp and show, uh, you know, what I could do. And, and when I was drafted, (laughs) uh, 
the assistant general manager, Al McNeil, who's a Cape Bretoner, uh, really good guy, had this beautiful, oh. beautiful Mont, Mont Blanc pen. And he fucking threw it across the table and said, we drafted another fucking jockey. Is that, that's what he said. The, oh, no way. Okay. Yikes. So when I came to my first, uh, when I came to my first training camp, there was nobody in the organization with the exception of the scout that pushed for me to get drafted that believed that I could play in the NHL. And so I knew that my first training camp had to be like lights out. And so what happened was during that training camp, I, I, I took a whole bunch of non-believers and I turned them all to believers because by the time I went back, they sent me back to junior that year, every single person in the organization believed that someday that I could play in the NHL. And that's exactly what I wanted to accomplish. And then, awesome, you know, <laughs> well, and then I got picked, you know, the, after the brawl year, you know, we went back to Moscow and I was, <laughs> was cap and I was a captain of Canada's national junior team. We beat the Russians uh, right in Moscow. Actually, the next same, year, in the same rink that Paul Henderson scored the goal in 1972. Unreal. Wow. Russians had a line of McG McGillney, Fedorov, and Bure was their number one line. <laughs> wow. So, and, we <laughs> and we went in there and uh, and we beat them for the gold medal. And Joe Sackick. Joe Sackick was our fourth line centerman on that team. Wow. Talk about depth. <laughs> a little bit of depth on that team. Yeah. So. Mr. Sackick on the fourth yeah. line. Yeah. Wow. So, so, I, know, I got I to gotta throw so it back. Many, uh, oh, go so ahead. many amazing, you know, experiences I had, you know, playing, mm -hmm. playing the game. Yeah. I, I got to throw it back to, uh, to your Salt Lake City uh, gold medal at the Team Canada at the Olympics. Yeah. I mean, for anybody who doesn't know, Gretzky kind of, not kind of, Gretzky put that team together. He wasn't a player at the time. Yeah. He wanted yeah. to take that on as his project. And he was emphatic about making sure Theo Fleury was on that team and was quoted yeah. after the Olympics as saying Theo Fleury was, was the our best. best player game in, yeah. game out. Um, what what interactions did you have with, with Wayne leading up to and, and after <laughs> after that event? How was that phone call like? Well, you guys, yeah, you know, we're big Wayne fans. You're gonna fucking <laughs> like, laugh exactly. at this one. So, <laughs> so I I I just got out of treatment. Okay, I was yeah. in treatment, and uh, I was living in Santa Fe, New Mexico, of all places. And uh, so I was just getting ready to go to the golf course, and my phone rang at my house, and uh, I picked it up and I said hello and. He goes, hey, Theo, this is Wayne. And I'm like, Wayne who? <laughs> <laughs> you know. Right. <laughs> he goes, it's Gratz. I was like, okay. He said, uh, I just wanted to call and invite you to the summer camp in Calgary. And I was like, are you fucking serious? He's like, yeah, we want you uh, to come. And he said, I think you're going to be a big part of the team uh in salt lake and i was just like wow because you know i was i was in a really bad place uh at that time and uh you know i was you know i'd go to treatment relapse go to treatment relapse go to treatment relapse so i was kind of in that in that space and uh and for wayne to call me and uh you know basically say to me you know I'm sticking my neck out here. He didn't actually say that, but 
I knew That's he was he because, you know, the, the whole entire NHL wasn't, uh, you know, they weren't Theo Fleury fans at that point. And uh, so um, when somebody like that calls and puts that amount of uh, belief in you, you know, you don't want to let them down. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would say I was in the best shape of my life in my whole entire career at that time. You know, I went to the summer camp, I had a great camp. And then that year, I played with uh, Eric Lindros and Mike York in New York. And for mm-hmm. the first half of the season, like we fucking lit it up. Like it was, yeah, un- it was unbelievable. Domination. Yeah. And uh, they called this the fly line. Can you imagine a fly line with Eric Lindros on it? Like, it, doesn't make sense. it doesn't make sense. And, uh, and so, and Wayne always tells a story. So I think one of the first, uh days that they really started talking about the selection of the team apparently wayne said that he walked into the room and basically said you know um i only want one pick and uh, this guy is the guy that i absolutely hated to play against the most most which is the greatest compliment you can be paid as an athlete is i fucking hated playing against you and he said, I want Theo Fleury on the team. And, and uh, you know, the rest is, is basically history. And, uh, you know, what was interesting was uh, every time that I got an opportunity to play for Team Canada, and I played for Canada 10 times in my career, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I knew that it was the, probably the best opportunity to win, you know, mm-hmm. to, to have that winning opportunity. And, uh, and you know, I prided myself on the bigger the game, the better I played. And so, you know, the Olympics was basically it for me. You know, that was, I, I should have retired the day after we won the Olympics. Oh, yeah. You know, because I'd accomplished everything that I wanted to accomplish in the game. And, uh, you know, obviously, uh, my mental illness at that time was, uh, you know, it was scary. You know, it was really scary. Uh, you know, I was having panic attacks in the dressing room, tying my skates. Uh, you know, when I wasn't at the rink, I couldn't get out of bed. I was depressed. And so um, nobody was really talking about mental illness back then. No, you know? it was hush, hush. So, and so, uh, you know, I went, to the t- I went to the team doctor. You know, I, I went on the big pharma merry-go-round for about, yeah. <laughs> you know, four or five years. Yeah. And, and yeah. Uh, yeah, it was fucking crazy. And, uh, you know, 16 years ago, I had a fully loaded pistol in my mouth, ready to pull the trigger, not because I wanted to die, but because I was exhausted from, you know, living in emotional pain and suffering. And, you know, and, that was the part in the book that hooked me. And I'm glad it was at the beginning of the book too. Yeah. Yeah, that, that That's why we put it. In the oh, yeah. Like, so, Good Lord. Yeah. I think you like just real fast. Just after reading the first chapter, I text Ryan. I'm like, yeah, I'm hooked. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> yeah. Done. Yeah. So, yeah. It well, was really good. The if you if you look at the back of the book, there's a, a review from the Globe and Mail, and it's mm-hmm. one sentence. We can't believe this guy survived his own life. And you know literally though. That was my know. thought. <laughs> I don't know. That sounds like a rock star life, not an athlete yeah. life. Well, that's, yeah. that's what yeah. I'm wondering. When is when is the Hollywood film coming out? I mean, it's 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 that good. You know, hundred well, percent. If they can are, make a film about are, David Ayers, we are this close. Yeah, really. We're this close. I, 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 
I've been saying it for years. I'm like, I've watched so many shitty films. Well, not how you say shitty, great films about shittier stories. Yeah. Like, when is this coming out? Because it's just, it's too good. The guy who should have never made it to begin with. And then all these things. It's just. Well, and this is an unbelievable story about how this all came about. So I show up at Mario Lemieux's Fantasy Camp one year. Okay. And uh, so I'm sitting in the dressing room, sitting beside this young kid. And, uh, he says, hi, my name's uh, Michael Young, and uh, I just want you to know, and I have one NHL record, okay? I scored three shorthanded goals in one game in St. Louis in 1991. No way. In I, didn't know. I didn't know that. Yeah. Didn't so, know that. I knew everything. <laughs> so the, so this, kid, this kid sitting beside me, he says, I just want you to know that when I was nine years old, I was at that game no when way. you scored three shorthanded goals. And so... Um, I said to him, I said, what do you do for a living? He goes, I build the Madden football game for EA Sports. So I was like, oh, wow, crazy. Boy, that's cool, right? So yeah. so we become friends and exchange numbers and, you know, get the odd random text. So two years later, I'm at home one night and I get this random text from saying, hey, I've been, uh, I've been listening to your music and I really, really love your music because I'm a singer and a songwriter. Yeah, absolutely. And... Uh, he said, would you write a song for the Madden football game? And I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so we write this song for the, what is it? 2018 Madden football game has one of my songs on it. It's called Long, Long Shot. Cool. And uh, so we do, the, we do this project. And then he texts me back and he says, uh, can I write a script, a movie script for you know, your life story. I said, yeah, go for it. And so basically for the last, I think four or five years, we've been, I've been traveling back and forth to LA meeting different producers and all this stuff. And so we finally like, we're this close to uh, signing the deal and uh, making the movie. So I can't imagine who, who plays Theo Fleury in a movie about Theo Fleury. I I don't know. The guy in the documentary actually looked a lot like you. You should get him. (laughs) The guy in the, that done the play or whatever. I know that that Zach Efron's read the script. I know that. Oh, wow. uh, No way. Nick Nick Jonas has read the script. (gasps) Love Nick Jonas. So yeah, this is going to be like a big, you know, big so, you need someone who already. can skate and play hockey too, though. Yeah, I guess, I'm, I'm, gonna actually, I'm gonna actually do all the on ice stuff. No way. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, this try to teach cool. someone to play like him on yeah. film. Yeah, right. Hundred percent. So, yeah. Don't happen. So yeah, hopefully. That's know, awesome. It'll uh, it'll come to fruition. So. Good lord, I hope so. I've been talking about it yeah. for too long. Yeah. The documentary, like I said, was was interesting enough. I had it on here just last night and. Uh, my boyfriend was on his way out the door and he was just stood there with his coat on watching. I'm like, are you going to, I can pause it, you know, <laughs> I can just pause it till you get back. <laughs> but yeah, it was really, really good. Yeah. It was interesting to go back to all those places, you know? And, yeah. Uh, I was, yeah. I wanted yeah. to ask you though, because the, one of the things that actually stuck out to me in the documentary was when you went back to Madison square gardens, they didn't let you in have you i guess been back there since then or have those uh i guess relationships been repaired or i was just that really i don't know really hurt my feelings like i felt so <laughs> bad i was like what a bunch of dicks yeah. like literally well, so i, I, I just I, wanted to ask you know they 
they gave me thirty million dollars and we didn't make the playoffs the whole time. Yeah. There. So and I burnt a lot of bridges there too, you know. So yeah. <clears throat> time heals all wounds, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, what's interesting is I belong to a global mental health organization called we're all a little crazy based out of new york so i've been i've been back to new york a few times but i've never you know never really had the desire to you know to go back there um but uh you know shit happens and uh you know i have to take responsibility for my part in it as well and so um you know that's why i've tried to you know, continue down this path and down this road to try and help as many people, you know, get to where they want to go. And so hopefully, you know, <clears throat> I call it a living amends. Absolutely. Right. But, I, but you know what? I, uh, I got inducted into the Alberta Hockey Hall of Fame two summers ago and uh, Kevin Lowe got uh, inducted with me. Glenn Sather was at the thing and, you know, we had a great chat and, and, okay, uh, cool. I actually called him and apologized to him, you know, a long time ago. And uh, so, so yeah, that's great to hear. It's all good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I mean, like I said, time heals all wounds. And honestly, I mean, I didn't know you back then, but I would think that people who did looking at you now would think that you have redeemed yourself or mm-hmm. i think you have at least yeah and for sure it's, it's not even you to me it's not even a point of redemption, redemption. It's, it's no just it's, the, you, 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 you've, you've, the come, you've come from being that that confused addicted every all those things that people would say but then at least people to, know why to a survivor yeah. and an inspiration and, and a role model if nothing else for people yeah. coming up through the sport so that's how i view it i, I yeah, i'm just sure I'm just waiting for that call now from the Hockey Hall of Fame. When 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 is yeah. my guy going to the Hockey Hall of Fame? Right? Yeah. So that's yeah. that's well past. It's gonna happen well. eventually. Yeah. Well, it's it's uh, unfortunately only four guys get inducted yeah. every year. So yeah. And there's lots of you know great candidates. There's lots of people that should be in there that aren't in there. And so I feel like they wait and induct people after they pass away. <laughs> like, that's a bad no offense, Theo, but like. <laughs> That might yeah. be when you're going there. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Right? Yeah. I mean, I know I'm talking about poster boy. I was I look at you as a poster boy for recovery for several things now. Yeah. Um I want to know, is there anything specific? I know everyone's different. Um, whatever you have to deal with. Is there anything different or anything specific that you use that helps you? Like is it an object, a person, or activity? Oh man. I've probably spent a million dollars on therapy. I've probably done 10,000 hours of therapy. I've done every type of therapy known to mankind. And, you know, you just got to find your formula, right? There's probably a thousand different ways to heal. And, uh, but I think the one thing that I did um, was I said to myself, I can never have another drink again, no matter what happens in my life. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that's probably been the, the best thing that I've done um, through this whole process. Um, you know, and I always say to people, you know, alcohol is like a solvent. When I put it in my body, shit starts to disappear. Wives, kids, houses, mm-hmm. jobs, you know, it all disappears. So as long as I don't put this substance in my body, uh, I think I can manage day to day, 
you know, because it's a 24 hour disease, you know, based on my spiritual condition. Right. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I've had the opportunity to travel to 420 of the 630 indigenous communities in Canada. So I've been to Nunavut, I've been to the West coast of Canada, the East coast of Canada, and uh, been to Newfoundland lots speaking. I was going to ask you that actually. Yep. And uh, what happened was, is uh, those people gave me back my life spiritually because I started Mm -hmm. to participate in ceremony. You know, I'm a big, I'm a big sweat lodge guy. You know, there's a, there's a medicine, there's a medicine man that lives two hours south of me and uh, me and my wife, and we drag a whole bunch of people with us to have the experience and, and uh, try to get there at least once a month. And, uh, you know, that has been probably one of the biggest uh, reasons why I've been able to have the success uh, that I've had, uh, away from the rink is, is the spirituality piece. Um, and I, you know, when I work with, you know, other addicts and alcoholics, you know, it's one of the first questions I ask them. I said, where are you at spiritually? Because to me, it's a spiritual program, you know? And so, um, and because, you know, the, the commonality of the residential school and my abuse is sort of that thing that, you know, uh, the, the community trusts me, you know, and, uh, you know, I'm an honorary chief now I'm a pipe carrier. Uh, you know, I go to powwows and all that stuff because awesome. I need, I need that connection because I'm, I'm an Aboriginal person yeah. and, uh, it was the thing that was missing in my life really, you know, um, and the first three steps in any 12 step program is spirituality. Yep. And I skipped right over them, <laughs> you know, and you realize that you needed it. Yeah. And until you had about it. five years into my own personal sobriety, like I sort of hit a wall and I was like, if this is what sobriety is all about, then I might as well fucking go back drinking. Cause I was still angry. I was still resentful. You know, I still had the ism in yeah. alcoholism. I still had the yeah. ism, right. Yeah. The alcohol was removed, but I was still a fucking asshole. Right. Dry drunk. Yeah. And that's when I started speaking in all these communities and I started running into all these spiritual teachers and elders and medicine men and, you know, and all this stuff. And they just kind of embraced me and took me under their wing and, you know, away I went. And and it's been, and it's been unbelievable uh, ever since. Because that whole sweat lodge that. that you talked about, that's, uh, you know, those type of things I've been looking at myself because, I mean, there's always ways that we can, we all got ways to improve. And uh, yeah. I've been looking at your, uh, you mentioned the I Relate app. Yeah. 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 I, that's I, a great. I joined up on that. Yeah, I oh, joined good. up on that yesterday. And oh, I got cool. my buddy joining up right now. Actually, I was talking to him today. He's having a hard time. I said, well, dude. Yeah. I'm no talking way. to you today, have... as he knows. I said, check it out. And uh, yeah. I'm waiting to talk to him now this evening, see well, how he does it. I just started working for a company called uh, XR uh, Mobile Wellness. We're a, a virtual reality medical uh, company. And uh, we have an app on the app store called MMS Mobile Wellness. And so yeah. it is sound therapy. And uh, basically we have a hundred different tracks and they're like 10 minutes long. And it's actually like the next level of meditation. And what it does is it actually uh, recalibrates your brain waves. 
So, you know, I live in the sort of anxiety, high anxiety space. Mm -hmm. And so what it does (laughs) is these, is these tracks bring your brain waves back down to a level calm state. Right. And like I said, I've done a hundred, you know, millions of hours of therapy. And what I realized was when I was traumatized as a kid, it really fucked up my nervous system and my nervous system has never been the same. And, you know, I've had lots of concussions and lots of, you know, head trauma as well. Mm -hmm. And so what the app has done and it started to do is it actually has started to recalibrate my nervous system. And it's also opened up some new neural pathways in my brain that have been blocked for many years because uh, I don't produce enough dopamine and serotonin, which is the pleasure part of, of my brain, which causes me to live in, you know, I, I fall into really ugly depression states and, you know, and then on the other side of the coin, I, I have uh, high anxiety and panic attacks too. And so Uh, this sound therapy, these binaural beats, what they're called actually starts to undo all of that uh, trauma damage that I, you know, experienced as a kid. And I listened to mine probably seven to 10 times a day. And, uh, you know, you don't, uh, the great thing about it is you can be walking, you can be vacuuming your floors, you just have put a set of headphones on, Listen to the tracks. They're 10 minutes long and the app does all the work for you. I just wrote it down so I can so download it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. MMS Mobile Wellness, in case yeah. anybody that's, missed that. Yeah. At, at this yeah. point, I'll link that in the description as well. That's too good not to. Um, yeah, well, guys, we're into overtime here when it comes yeah, to Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> keep you here all day. If there's, anybody I, if there's anybody I want in overtime, it's Theo Fleury. He's an yeah. overtime expert. <laughs> yes, you know, yes. We are, and we're a Deke Snipe Selly show. I mean, we talk about celebrations and, and goals and things, and there's no nothing more to say than, than the, the overtime. Yeah, for sure. The game six. But yeah. uh, no, we're so yeah. we're so happy you were able to join us today, uh, Theo. It's It's been uh, it's something I'll never forget, Pleasure. actually. No. Um for in closing, just on our end, um, three of us, we've all had our own little issues and our own little demons and everything. We, everyone in, in the world does, and yeah. it's not talked yeah. about near enough. Yeah. Um, so you were a, a, a key guest that we strived to, for, for one, get good enough to have you on our show. We wanted to make sure we weren't going to be bumbling. Yeah, we're still either. new at this. Yeah, we're still pretty new, <laughs> but we're getting a lot of great feedback, which I'm like, yeah, okay, of course. cool. Uh, so we'll keep it going until the, until the negative feedback is to the point where we got to shut sure. it down. <laughs> <laughs> of course. But, of course. Uh, well, I mean, I was a fan of you as a kid. I mean, when I look back at, yeah. at, the, at the players who I was a fan of as a kid, I, I don't, there's not a lot that really stand out to me anymore because I've become a fan of you as an adult. And, yeah. and so your work in mental health and recovery uh, that I've yeah. followed as an adult myself has really uh, put you over and over and above the Hockey Hall of Fame worthy career that you put yeah. together. 100%. Uh, coupled with uh, a, a personal hall of fame uh, career after the fact is what really sets you apart from everybody else. So 100%. more than anything, thanks so much for taking the time to pop onto a nobody podcast with three newfies who are sitting in a snowstorm here. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? Uh, some of the best times I've ever had in my life have happened in the Maritimes. So I absolutely love the Maritimes and uh, it's one of my favorite places I get to travel and, you know, I played, I played for the Belfast Giants 
was my last professional hockey season. And, yeah. you know, you guys remind me a lot of the people in Belfast, you know, that, <laughs> yeah. you know, I can walk into any bar without a hotel reservation. And by the end of the night, I'm going to be at somebody's house with a warm blanket and a couch and yeah. a bed and, you know, full belly. you know, yeah, full, that's Newfoundlanders for full you. Bat, full belly, East Coast. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's uh it's an amazing place. One of my favorite golf courses that I've ever played in my life is Cabot Cliffs. You know, yeah. if, there's a, if there's a golf course in heaven, that's it. I yeah. haven't been there, but my friends have. It, it was yeah. uh, it was one of the most it was one of the most spectacular days I have ever had on a golf course, and you know that's 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 what I use as a tool is golf. Yeah. You know, I played 140 rounds of golf last year oh. in wow. in Calgary. <laughs> Yeah, because the weather for me, it. Because yeah, for me, it was like meditation, uh, therapeutic, you know. And uh, I spend ten hours a day at the golf course, practicing and playing, and wow. you know, just being outside and enjoying. Uh, you know, my two boys play, and my dad's eighty-one years old, and he joins us three or four times a week, and so we have this amazing foursome. And uh, yeah, it's pretty. It's the pretty same awesome. thing. No, the same yeah. thing as me, my brother and my dad and my uncle. Yeah, yeah. my my dad and my brother always go with yeah. my uncle. And how, there's how, some there's some unbelievable golf in the Maritimes, like unbelievable golf. 140 is more of my score than how many rounds I've played. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a bit of fun, right? Yeah, awesome, cool. Right, yeah. Keep any longer, man. Thanks so so much. Thank so you very much. much. Right. Thank you guys. I really I really enjoyed it. Yeah, great. Well, hopefully, we so can much. have you on again in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. Get rid of this COVID and come back. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> all right. Thanks so much, man. Okay, Thank guys. So Take much, care. Thanks. Have a good Bye. day. You too. Bye. 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 So there you have it, guys. Was, I think that was. I think that was deadly. That was I know, awesome. I, didn't, I, I felt That's like that's what I wanted. First, him telling the stories. Half hour. I was just listening, and yeah. you guys. Yeah. Talk, Nobody was speaking. It was, and I was like, "We're yes. still recording here, guys. This is still our podcast. We're still up." Oh. Oh, okay. I didn't know you were still in recordings. I'm, well, I, was I, got the, I got my vape out that. here. What are we doing? <laughs> I was about to text my wife and say, hey, you can let the kids roam free again for uh... so let's I was about to say, bring the dogs back. Let's save the drugs okay. and alcohol until I stop recording, okay? Okay. <laughs> it's okay. Stop. Click that stop? button. <laughs> click that button quick. No, I Let's mean, we got to do our thing. We got to do our, 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 our exit, you know? Obviously, if you like what you heard and if you if you listened, you didn't like what you heard, then you obviously had it on on mute or something because yeah. I, I can't imagine a better guest uh, for a podcast than Theo Fleury. Uh, we were really lucky to hook him. Um, so if you like what you heard, we got more guests coming. I, we got a list of guests there that's like, no, well, just people going to take out of it what I got out of it. Like, just even yeah. just uh, just even leading up to today, the way I connected uh, with, I mean, I didn't have the same experiences as him, but there's a lot of stuff we're all dealing with. And I see how he's just connecting with everybody, not just people that had the same experience as him. I'm like, and I know all kinds of people who can benefit from this. So I've got everything written down, ready to go. I do want to throw out there too, for anybody that does watch our podcast or listens to us. If you have not read that book, get it. If you don't have time to read, I like myself, I'm not a big reader. I just been picking at it like every night before bed. If you don't have time and you're just interested, watch that documentary. Yeah. It's on YouTube. We'll link it's it in really, the description really there as well. Yeah, we'll link it down below. It's, it's kind of like it's... the Coles Notes version of the book. Of the book, uh, so it, yeah. it doesn't do the book justice. The book is phenomenal. <laughs> Not oh, to be cliche, the book is better. But, I mean, but if you want more information yeah. on Theo and his life and, and his yeah. the abuse story, 
it's a little cringeworthy, but the documentary is on HBO, so you know it's 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 no holds barred. Yeah, it's, cr- it's not all it's not all pro Theo Fleury either. I mean, they hit they hit the hard points, and yeah. uh, it's it's rough, but it's so good. It's, it's so honest. good. So it's we'll leave that in the description. Give that a, yeah. a, 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 a like. Oh, what I really want, and a lot of you guys, we got I got people who are who are sending me messages every other day saying, "Are you doing a podcast here? Are you doing a podcast there?" Uh, who've made comments about some of our other guests. Uh, mm-hmm. in person to me i really want to see some comments in the in the in the down below on our youtube channel throw in a yeah. throw in a comment if you can or on the facebook link uh we want to hear from you guys as to uh how you think the podcast went what was your favorite point and what what had mm-hmm. the flow was amazing i mean we got into the hockey we got into the abuse of mental health we got back to the hockey we got to the abuse of mental health covered all aspects and uh, and uh i'm so glad uh, so glad he was able to get there so if okay. you liked it Click like, click subscribe. Uh, make sure you share the link for us. That's that's where we Please. get. Uh, that's where we're pulling in. As long as we can give get us a views, thumbs up on YouTube. This. Newfoundland's first video hockey podcast. You gotta Is love it? that part. Yeah, I think so. I'm gonna that say. I don't know if there's others. I'm sorry, but yeah. if there are <laughs> we others, don't know about you. Yeah, you're not as good as us. I'm kidding. First, <laughs> Chad, Ryan, and Carly. I'm kidding. No, like I said, like and subscribe. If anybody would share. Ever... If anybody ever would want to, you know, maybe be a guest or hop on and talk hockey, mm-hmm. that's We're always something that. you can ask. Yep. We're we pretty good here. We interview Joes and we interview average Joes. Exactly. So, uh, we're, we're planning on incorporating that into the podcast. Anybody who wants to chat, just chat hockey with us, Leafs hockey, NHL hockey, women's hockey. Uh, we've got some name it. We've got some great content. Coming Local monitor hockey. I don't care. Just let us know. Yeah. Just hockey. Yeah. Loves it. We can't get enough. Yeah. Or even if you just want to talk. <laughs> we're here for that too we're here for you. <laughs> all right guys i think we'll, we'll knock it on the head there uh thanks so much for listening and uh i guess nothing to say but peace out see you Cheers. next time